speaking and doing. May Jesus be glorified and may God be praised. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have been working for this uh, announcement day for over uh, two years, and I cannot believe the day is here where we're able to actually uh, roll on a couple of ministries I'll be talking about at the end of my message today. Uh, I've been pastor almost 36 years here. Uh, It is uh, uh, three and a half weeks from now. It'll be my 36th anniversary of pastoring here. And the point is, in all those years, the hardest boat to turn has been children's ministry. Uh, Children's ministry has been kind of entrenched in sort of its, uh, uh, entrenched in its way we do things. And over the years, I have been, uh, we, we, we change, you got to change. You know, if you don't change, you die. And so uh, we've been busy about changing this, that, or the other thing. And I have traveled all over the world looking for what God would have for us in children's ministries. And about three years ago, I was in El Salvador and I went to a place and the Lord said, this is what I want y'all to do. And I was so delighted, and I've been working for three years to get where we're at today, and it's just exciting to me. And I'll explain that a little bit more. But our theme, the reason I'm excited in relationship to our theme, growing to your full potential, because childhood is the foundation upon which each person builds into their full potential in Christ. Childhood is the foundation upon which each person builds into their full potential in Christ. Uh, do you all, uh, some of you grew up as Christian students, I suppose. How many of you are like Christians from childhood? Any of you guys Christians from childhood? Okay, this first service crew is a lot of y'all. And you have memories in childhood that make you uh, part of who you are as Christians today. You know what I'm talking about? Those great things God did in your childhood. And, and I would encourage you to tell them over and over and over again. Uh, My mom will be here, I think, in the next service, and uh, I love it when my mom tells me the stories of God's great work in our family. And I learned most of those uh, that I didn't experience. I learned most of those when I was a child. Uh, My dad was pinned between two trailers. He was backing trailers up. They owned anchored trailer sales on uh, Central and Eubank in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And my dad was guiding the guy to back the trailer up and... uh, Uh, Somehow the clutch slipped or something, and that trailer jerked and squished my dad between two trailers. My dad was paralyzed. And it was just before I was in the hospital with kidney failure, and my dad was paralyzed. And my mom and dad went to the Lord and said, you know, we thought you were calling us to Alaska. We thought the call of God was to the native peoples of the north. And now our son is about dead, and I'm paralyzed. And you know what? God healed my dad completely. Never again was he paralyzed. He had full, he's still alive. He has full mobility today. I learned these stories as a kid. And uh, uh, what's that old song? Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. And, and the, the foundation that gets laid in childhood is incredible. Uh, we now know that 
uh, somewhere around three or four years old, part of the brain closes off. And uh, this is really a good thing. It enables you to live well. It enables you to have a great future unless something got in there before the brain closed off. And so uh, I'm an example of uh, living with childhood trauma because when, when your trauma is before a certain age, it gets stuck in the brain and the brain closes off and can't get to that memory. And so uh, many of you have friends who had childhood trauma and, and uh, you understand childhood is a foundation. Uh, you, you know the foundation of uh, uh, most of you probably heard your parents go, I'm proud of you. I love you. You're amazing. Uh, you can do it. Go get them. Awesome. Praise the Lord. You're a blessing. Some people heard, I wish you weren't born. I, uh, you are such an inconvenience. You are, you are difficult in my life. One, one time in our Christian school, a girl kept wanting to die and, and uh, they bring her to me and over time, I couldn't really get at what the problem was. And one day I said, when was the first time you really wanted to die? She goes, oh, that's easy. That was the day my mom said, I sure wish I had aborted you. Can you imagine that being in your foundation? You know what I'm saying? It, so childhood is really a foundation upon which we can go to our full potential in Christ. If, if you had a parent that taught you to be afraid of the world when you were a child, then it's really a challenge to say, okay, God, I'm going to go back and work on that foundation because I don't want to be, a, I'm not a child anymore. I'm not three years old. I don't have to be afraid to cross the street. I don't need to be afraid of a germ. I, I don't need to be afraid of, uh, you know, a lot of moms, especially especially like to guard their little boys from getting hurt. But then, you know, when you're like 20, you don't want a guy who's afraid of getting hurt. You know, you want, you want a 20-year-old to be bold and brave and courageous. And it's a foundation. Childhood is a foundation upon which each person builds into their full potential in Christ. And uh, my text today is 127th Psalm. You have it in your notes, and I, uh, this is the English Standard Version. Would you read it out loud with me together? It's, it's quite short and powerful. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows who fills his courier are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame. When he speaks with his enemies in the gates. This is a most interesting psalm. At first glance, the two sections do not relate to each other. Unless the Lord builds the house, watch over the city. Then all of a sudden in verse 3, a switch. Children are the heritage of the Lord. It's like, uh, uh, how do these uh, disparate components relate to each other? Well, one way is the psalmist reveals a connection between daily labor and family life. Daily labor and family life. I suppose every human being ever born has had the struggle between daily labor and family life. 
Do you understand the, the, the difficulties of, of I need to make a life, I need to make a living, I need to be active and be fruitful and multiply. At the same time, I need relationship. At the same time, I need to pour my life into the lives of those people that know me and love me. Uh, I don't remember which famous person it was, senator or somebody. Uh, he wrote in his journal, uh, nothing much happened today, didn't accomplish anything. We went fishing. The son, later on they found, wrote on the same day, today was the best day of my life. I spent my day fishing with my dad. So the dad was kind of worried about this daily labor thing. And the kid was saying, you know what, we got a family thing going on here as well. And I tell this story about once a year because I have like a, uh, 10 or 20 stories that have formed who I am. And so I tell them as often as, I, as they're appropriate. And this is Jim Baker. Jim Baker, the televangelist. And, uh, you know, his mom and dad came to Barrow when I was a kid and uh, did missions work up in Barrow, stayed in our home. So we, we kind of knew the Baker family a little bit. And he got really famous and... And uh, it, it was just like dominating, the, the PTL was everywhere, and then it got into the financial sin and the sexual sin, and, and his leader was a guy named Richard Dorch, who was my dad's best friend, and, and it just was like a, a yucky thing, and Jim Baker goes to jail. And I think he goes to jail in Minnesota, if I remember correctly. But wherever he's in jail, he's in jail. And he said he remembered when he would, he would uh, uh, get invited to meet the president. He said he'll never forget the day that there's the uh, Air Force One there. And they roll out the red carpet down the runway like this. And uh, I think it was President Reagan comes off the airplane. And Jim Baker and the president walk down the red carpet and meet each other. He said it was a cool moment in his life but now he's in jail and he's standing there and the speaker uh, over the loudspeaker it says inmate number xyz get off the carpet inmates aren't allowed on the carpet he goes what a difference that happened in my life from the red carpet with the president to jail where i'm not allowed to even stand on the carpet he said i dreaded the day my son came to see me he said i never wanted my son to see me in shackles i never wanted my kid to see me in jail but on that day, uh, they said, your son is here. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. And he said, I got to spend a couple of hours with my son in jail, and it was embarrassing. And, and at the way out, I said to my son, I said, son, I'm really sorry you had to see your dad like this. And Jim Baker's son said, dad, I've always wanted to have a day with you. And it had to be in prison, but at least I got a day with you, my dad. And, uh, that shaped me a lot. You know, uh, about that, when I learned about that, I decided on my day off, any work on my day off would be approved by my kids. It's my day off is Friday. And uh, I said, you know, any day off, uh, if I have work to do, I'll have my kids approve it. And they generally voted no on any work on my day off. And, uh, and that was kind of fun. I could blame my kids for a lot of stuff. Uh, but on other times, it was kind of a drag. Like Sarah Palin asked me to come and pray an invocation at the inauguration, I believe, in Juneau. And it was on, uh, yeah, woohoo, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? It was a Friday. So I say to Jonathan, Keela, Daniel, and Danae, hey, Dad has a really cool opportunity to go to Juneau and pray a really important prayer. Uh uh, we're going to the park. 
So to the park I went, and Sarah got somebody else better to pray, I'm sure. But uh, that struggle between daily labor and family life, I'm sure you felt it in your life. I'm sure you felt that struggle. And uh, in one way of view, in Psalm 127, the house is the temple. We think that David wrote, I think that David wrote Psalm 127 and uh, wrote it for Solomon. And uh, I think he wrote it for Solomon. Solomon was the one to build the temple. He was the one who was to guard the city of Jerusalem. And so the house is the temple and the city is Jerusalem. And the children are all in the same component. And so in this way, the psalmist connects ministry unto the Lord and unto one's family is intertwined. Please don't ever feel that you have to pick between ministry to your family or to the Lord. God never asks you to make that divide. Your family may not be willing to go with you in your ministry, but you are not, you are not forced to pick between your family or your Lord. He has a way for you to do your ministry and your family at the same time. And the heritage here is so cool. And, and uh, I'm not a Hebrew, I don't know Hebrew at all, I'm definitely not a scholar, but I understand that heritage in this passage is a real estate term. So here you have your real estate, and the river starts up here, and it comes through your property, and it goes off your property, and while that river is on your property, I understand that that's called a, is the children, and the idea that children are a heritage of the Lord is the children are the Lord's before you, the children are the Lord's after you, but when the children are on your property, they're the heritage of the Lord in your life. Amen. The heritage of the Lord in your life. Since my daughter's getting married this Saturday, I might as well say it's been a joy being the father and having the heritage of Danae in my life. What a fantastic delight. The temple isn't the heritage. In this passage, Psalm 127, they say if the temple existed today, it would have been the eighth wonder of the world. That's how awesome the temple was. But the temple wasn't the heritage. Jerusalem, the city of our God, awesome city. Hope you get to go sometime, beautiful city. But the city isn't the Lord's heritage in this passage. You see, it's not the, it's not the temple, it's not the city that's the heritage. It's the children that God put into the family that goes to the temple. It's the children that got put in the family in the city that's the heritage of the Lord. Are you guys okay? You're kind of mellow here. I'm, I'm like fired up and ballistic. And uh, uh, I think it's so beautiful. It, in the book of Lost Things, which I don't think is a good book. I don't read novels ever. But in this book, there was a quote that I want to build my talk on today. John Conley wrote in the book of Lost Things, For in every adult there dwells the child that was. Inside of you today is the child that was. And in every child, there lies the adult that will be. Praise God. I am so thankful for the child that was, and I'm so thankful for the adult that will be. Uh, back when I was a little kid in Barrow, um, uh, my mom, my dad was at district council. My mom was staying with me and uh, my mom sat on the bed, but her glasses were on the bed and she can't see a thing without her glasses and she crushed her glasses. So she had to go to Fairbanks too. 
So my mom and dad are in Fairbanks, my brother and sister are in Unilaclete at Covenant High School, and I get left alone in Barrow, and it was a scary experience for me. I was so scared to be alone in, 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 in that time of my life. A guy named Dick Rutledge, who built all three of our buildings, was the contractor on all three of these buildings here, uh, he said, well, where's Kent? And my dad said, well, he's in Barrow, and, and uh, we, didn't, we couldn't afford to bring him. We couldn't afford to bring him to network conference, to district council. And, uh, and Dick Rutledge said, well, I'll fly him into district council. So this man bought an airplane ticket for this little boy. I'm about this tall. He bought me an airplane ticket, and here's the line he used. Man, he was, he was saying, there's an adult inside that kid, and I'm going to call forth the adult that's in that kid. Uh, so I'm there. He said, I am the bus driver. I drive all over Fairbanks, and I pick up the ministers for district council. He said, but I'm getting old, and it's really hard for me to open the door. I need a bus door opener. Man, I was so proud to be the bus door opener. I got on that bus. I opened the door with every skill I could muster. And, and uh, you know, all these years later, I know he didn't need a door opener. But he knew inside that little scared boy in Barrow, Alaska, was an adult that God was going to use someday. Inside every child is an adult that will be. And inside every adult is a child that was. And so our full potential is related to coming to terms with the child that was. To come to terms with the child that was. And I don't know your journey. I'm using a lot of personal stories today because I'm excited about children's ministry. I'm excited about what God's done in my heart. Uh, I got to a point where I didn't want to make another hospital visit. I didn't, want to, I didn't want the phone to ring. I didn't want to go into another emergency room. I didn't want to see another person disconnected from life support. I didn't want to see another baby fighting for their life. I didn't want to do that anymore. And, and I found myself getting nervous driving by the hospital. I just get nervous. And uh, I didn't even want to drive by regional or Providence. And I was talking to my friend Larry, who's been a counselor in my life for many years. He said, well, why don't you try to find the, kind of go back and find the source of that? He goes, have you ever felt those feelings before? What's the earliest time you felt those feelings in your life? And, and I began to realize, you know, I remember those feelings. See, back when I was in the hospital and dying, they didn't let parents spend the night. So my mom could be there from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., which meant I had 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. all by myself. And I was, uh, I was in the death unit, so to speak. You know how they triage? I was in the, I was, uh, they had five beds in my unit, and the guy in the bed that they could see is the one that died that night. And they would move us around. Finally, I'm the guy in the bed where they would die that night. And that's the night they took me over to the, the uh, I was on the third floor, Loveless Clinic, Albuquerque, New Mexico. They took me to the third floor. My brother and sister down there on the ground. And they say goodbye. Say goodbye to your brother and sister. You're going to see Jesus tonight. And I'm like, bye. I'll see Jesus tonight. I knew what that meant. Right? So here I am. 40, 50, 60, no, 60, I'm not even 60 yet, 40, 50 years old, nervous to drive by a hospital because inside the child, inside the adult, there's still the child who was. I was still, I was still feeling feelings from when I was three years old. 
And so when I stand here today and say to become my fullest potential, I have to be able to give myself the ability to come to terms with the child that was. And the child that was also has all awesome experiences. Everybody have an awesome childhood experience, you know? Uh, I remember when this, we had once was the case until afterwards. We had no money. And we, I do remember this. We had one piece of food left. It was a caribou heart. I do not eat organs of any kind. I don't eat organs. It's against my uh, stomach's religion to eat organs. I want to know what did that do in that body before I eat it, right? And so we had caribou heart. I didn't realize we were out of money. And uh, I've told this story a thousand times all over the world. And, and uh, uh, there's a bang on the door. I run over to the door, down the stairs. I open the door and uh, there's a white man. In Barrow, in 1968 or whatever this was, there's a, and he was like really white. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? White hair, white beard, white everything. And I'm about this tall. I said, hello. He goes, hello. He said, uh, father sent me here. I said, oh, great. Uh, uh, come on in. He said, no, father has a lot for me to be doing. I said, well, great. You came, you knocked, you didn't open the, you don't want to come in. He goes, in fact, father asked me to give this to you. So I put out my hand, and he puts this little thing in my hand, and I say, thank you. I say, well, if you won't come in, can I at least tell my mom and dad your name? He said, no. I said, well, you have a name, don't you? He said, yes, but I'd like to remain anonymous. I said, all right. Close the door. I run upstairs. I say, mom and dad, they were in a prayer meeting back down the hall. I say, mom and dad, this white dude showed up, and it was weird. He, he said his name's anonymous, or I didn't even know how the word anonymous. And my mom said, that's anonymous, son. And uh, she said, okay. And uh, I said, he gave me this. It was a little tiny thing, very small. And he, my mom and dad opened it up like that. It was two $100 bills. We now had money for food. They said, well, let's... Why didn't he come in? I said, I don't know. She said, well, let's go see if we can... We run to the window. There are no footprints in or from the new fallen snow to our door. Yeah. I mean, hey, there's a, there's a, there's a child inside this adult. Inside this 58-year-old guy on the stage, there's a kid inside there. There's a child that was and there's an adult that will be in every child. Somehow our fullest potential in Christ invites us to make Jesus Lord over the magic and madness of our child that was. The magic and madness. Anybody have any madness in your childhood? Welcome to the club. Anybody have any magic? Uh, I, I wanted a bike for, uh, uh, I wanted a bike when I was a kid and, and I wanted a Schwinn because that, I had studied the Sears catalog. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody have a catalog? Trash on this internet, man, to give me an old catalog. I'd sit there and I'd dream. I'd go through, I owned guns. I owned bikes. I owned, I owned clothes. I owned everything in that catalog, man. And, uh, I found out that Schwinn was the best bicycle, but you know, when you make 280 a month, which was my dad's income, when you make $280 a month, a $500 bicycle is more than a month's wage, and there was no chance I was going to get a bicycle. I knew that, but I could still dream. 
Well, God bless some lady somewhere, and aren't you pleased with the Holy Spirit? Somebody, God laid on somebody, I still don't know to this day who, to send money for a bike to my mom and dad in Barrow, Alaska. It could have been, who knows, China. Somebody sent money. I didn't know that, though. And uh, I have one little present under the tree. That's all I have under the tree. I'm like, well, okay, one little present. I open it up. It says, uh, go look under your pillow. So I run back and I look under my pillow. There's a note. It says, go look in the church and in the, in the pulpit. Oh, I'm, maybe it's a Bible. I run down to the church and I get in the pulpit. And I pull. There's a note. It says, just kidding. Go back to the tree. I go back to the tree and there's a beautiful red Schwinn bike under the tree with my name on it. And uh, I thought I was the richest guy in the world. I, I rode my bike, you know, uh, just like... Uh, uh, a heaven's angel. You know what I'm saying? I was in a, a one-man bike gang, and it was really, really cool. There's magic in being a child. Check this out. In presenting my happiness and hurts, the magic and madness, the happiness and hurts, the dreams and the disasters, the shocks and the surprises, the delights and the disappointments, all of those, the happiness and the hurts, the dreams and the disasters, the shocks and the surprises, the delights and the disappointments from my child that was to the lordship of Jesus, I cooperate with God for reaching my fullest potential. Do you ever dream of meeting somebody when you were little? Did you ever dream? Of, I did. I, I, it cracks me up. I was in Barrow thinking... I'm tired of these boring polar bears and walrus and seal. I want to see some real animals like a giraffe and an elephant. And, uh, you know, now no, it's cool to see polar bears. And I didn't know that. That's where I grew up, right? And so when the Lord took me to Africa, and the first day I was in Africa, not the first day, but the first day I was in Kenya, and we were in Amboseli National Park. We got there at night. It was dark. I opened the door on the morning, like 6 a.m. in the morning. There's Mount Kilimanjaro right in front of us, huge, not a cloud in the sky and a giraffe walking by this way and a, and an elephant walking by that way and baboons everywhere. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, God, thank you for the joy of, of a childhood dream. I'd sit there and listen to the radio and I memorized his sermons. Uh, Billy Graham, I tried to get his accent down, never could figure it out. Uh, I'd listen to his sermons over and over again and I'd dream I'm on the stage. I'd dream I'm with Billy Graham. Now I'm asking you with you up there in the balconies and on the main floor as we sing just as I am without one plea to come and give your heart to Jesus. Still my favorite part of any service is the altar call. Pastor Shinneman said to me, Kent, welcome to Maldon Community Assembly. Billy Graham's coming to town, and I'm too busy to help. I said, okay. He goes, they have meetings, 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 meetings. And they're in the morning. I eat one half a peach, a piece of toast, and a cup of coffee, and I'm going to all the meetings, meetings, meetings every day, and I'm not changing that for Billy Graham. So you're going to all the meetings, 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 meetings for me. So I go to all the meetings for him, for Billy Graham, right? I go to all these things. Well, uh, come to find out, because Pastor Shenman was well-known in the area, he was on the pastoral committee. He was, and so I was, because he wouldn't go, right? So on the first night of the Billy Graham crusade, still the largest event, public event ever held in Alaska, I'm sitting on the stage next to Billy Graham, right? And I'll, I'll never forget it. I'm sitting there. He walks out and goes, hi, I'm Bill. <laughs> I go, the whole knows your bill. What do you mean your bill, right? And I'm like, and I go, I'm a little boy back in Barrow listening to a record player wishing I could meet Billy Graham. 
And anyways, I got to end the story. This is really fun. Pastor Shinman goes, how'd you get on that stage? I said, you wanted a half a peach and a piece of toast. <laughs> funny, huh? You know, I do believe in magic. I was born and raised in a magic time in a magic town among magicians. Almost everybody else didn't realize we lived in that web of magic connected by silver filaments of chance and circumstance, but I knew it all along. When I was 12 years old, the world was my magic lantern, and by its green spirit glow, I saw the past, the present, and into the future. You probably did too. You just don't recall it. See, this is my opinion. We all start out knowing magic. We are born with whirlwinds, forest fires, and comets inside us. We are born able to sing to birds and read the clouds and see our destiny in grains of sand. But then we get the magic educated right out of our souls. We get it churched out, spanked out, washed out, combed out. We get put on the straight and narrow and told to be responsible, to act our age, told to grow up for God's sake. And you know why we were told that? Because the people doing the telling were afraid of our wildness and youth and because the magic we knew made them ashamed and sad of what they'd allowed to wither in themselves. After you go so far away from it, though, you can't really get it back. You can have seconds of it, just seconds of knowing and remembering. When people get weepy at movies, it's because in that dark theater, the golden pool of magic is touched just briefly. Then they come out into the hard sun of logic and reason again, and it dries up, and they're left feeling a little heart-sad and not knowing why. When a song stirs a memory, when motes of dust turn in a shaft of light, takes your attention from the world, when you listen to a train passing on a track at night in the distance and wonder where it might be going, you step beyond who you are and where you are. For the briefest of instants, you have stepped into the magic again. That's what I believe. The truth of life is every year we get farther away from the essence that is born in us. We get shouldered with burdens, some of them good, some of them not so good. Things happen to us. Loved ones die. People get in wrecks and get crippled. People lose their way for one reason or another. It's not hard to do in this world of crazy mazes. Life itself does its best to take that memory of the magic away from us. You don't know what's happening until one day you feel you've lost something, but you're not sure what it is. It's like smiling at a pretty girl and she calls you sir. It just happens. These memories of who I was and where I live are important to me. They make up a large part of who I'm going to be when my journey winds down. I need the memory of magic if I'm ever going to conjure magic again. I need to know and remember, and I want to tell you, Robert McMammon, A Boy's Life. It's fantastic to be an adult and find the magic of the child that was again. I went to Brownsville Revival years ago. I didn't want to go. Richie Smith was on our board. He said I was going. He's the board. I went. And uh, so I'm down there, and we're having a worship service. And uh, uh, Lyndall Cooley, he's up there all free and stuff. You know, he's not, he's not stayed and 
stodgy like we like to be, bless God, and he's all like happy and everything, and then he leaves the keyboard and he goes down and he just starts twirling around like this, and I think, I think I'd like to have that kind of freedom. At the same time, that's kind of weird. I didn't know whether I liked it or hated it. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, then everybody else started kind of doing what he was doing, and I'm watching that, and, and I'm just kind of watching this whole deal. And uh, then he goes back up. He goes, some of you are wondering why I just did that. I said, yeah, I was wondering why you just did that. That's kind of free and cool and kind of weird and scary all at the same time. He said, I did it because while we were singing, I remembered when I was a little boy, I'd dance around my father's leg and I'd pull and he'd say, and he'd twirl me and he'd twirl me and I'd dance around my father's leg and I was up here singing and my heavenly father said, I'd like you to dance around my leg too. I thought, Kent, why'd you let the magic of the dance go away? You get all educated and get all trained and... Where'd the magic go? What about this? When Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven, maybe he wasn't just talking to the children who were there, but maybe he was talking to the child inside of you that was. Bring that little kid that's inside you, Kent, to me. And I know, really, God? You mean the little Kent that can dream big dreams, the little Kent that can have big hopes, the little Kent that's going to... I had a dream when I was a little boy. It hasn't happened yet. I've never told anybody this. I had a little dream. I was about eight or nine years old, and I was a minister of the gospel, and this boy came, I said, on his neck. And I went like this, and I said, Jesus, I'm a little boy. I said, Jesus touched this guy, and the tumor fell off in my hand. It was just a dream as a little boy. And God says, suffer the little children. Bring that dream from your child. Bring it to me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. Djokovic, the great tennis player, said, building a solid foundation in the early years of a child's life will not only help him or her reach their full potential, but will also result in a better societies as a whole. Brother Chuck, you're our ranger commander for our district. I grew up as a royal ranger, and I was a bad royal ranger because I, uh, I didn't actually grow up as a royal ranger. I'm kind of not t- because we didn't have enough men to lead rangers. We had missionettes. So I am the only male graduate of missionettes I know of. It's a girls program, and uh, my mom, it's, my brother didn't want me in rangers when he was there. So they'd say, okay, Warren, you can go to rangers now, but Kent's a missionette. So I'm a prim and a daisy and all that stuff. But I never reached the stairway to the stars, but... Uh, Man, I'd, I'd sit there and read my ranger manual. Uh, ranger is prepared or ranger is ready. I'd memorize all the points of this. I'd do all that stuff. I'd read about this Johnny Barnes guy. I, have, I like meeting people, in case you can't tell. I thought, wouldn't it be cool someday to meet Johnny Barnes? My dad mom moved to Anchorage. We're at Anchorage First Assembly. We do a Royal Ranger training, and Johnny Barnes is the speaker. I didn't know he's the huge. He was, he's in heaven now, I think. But anyway, he was huge, and uh, he came up, and I remember I was looking like at his belt. He was so tall, and he shook my hand, and he 
was kind to me and he was nice to me and they're ready to start the, 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 the training now and I'm there ready to take notes and I didn't have to take a note because his first line cut to my heart and I'll remember it until the day I die. He said, whatever we do today, just I came here to tell you one thing. No man stands as tall as when he stoops to help a boy. I got a hundred men who've stooped to help this little boy. And uh, so he calls me to deal with that child inside of me. And he calls me to help the child that you have. And uh, I've got to hurry through this part because my time is up. But I'm traveling the world saying, God, we need more, we need more, we need more. There's nothing wrong with what we're doing. There's nothing inadequate in what we're doing. I hunger for more. My mom would get on my kids. Mom just walked in. Hi, mom. And uh, uh, I would sit there and I, she would say, you're not praying in tongues enough in front of your kids. I say, you live in Texas. How do you know how much I'm praying in tongues? But... Uh, I say, God, we need more Holy Spirit. Does anybody need more of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Oh, we need more of the Holy Spirit. And I walk onto that campus in El Salvador, and there's all kinds of glory of the Lord there. And I met the director of this ministry. His name is Don Triplett. And I said, Don, I heard about your ministry. He said, well, it's really, really simple. All it is is one thing. We want kids to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and then learn to function in the gifts of the Spirit. I just started that years ago. I just wanted kids to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and then move in prophecy and tongues and interpretation of tongues and signs and wonders. He goes, that's all I did. I just started this little thing in my neighborhood. And today, brothers and sisters, there's 500,000 children in the world. Every Saturday, they're getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and they're learning to prophesy. They're learning to walk in the gifts. They're learning to speak in tongues. They're learning to interpret. They're learning to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And I said to myself, if God allows me to live long enough, I want to create on Saturdays in Anchorage the most powerful Holy Spirit ministry Muldoon Assembly has ever seen for boys and girls. Not not rangers, God bless, I'm talking Saturdays. And so we're launching this on July, uh, I wrote it on my notes here uh, for me, July 12th and 13th is our first training of called King's Castle. Got a little graphic, King's Castle, and uh, it's been a three-year process. We were looking for men and women who will say, you know what, we're going to stand here. We're going to help kids move in the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to help them see the supernatural. We're going to help them prophesy. We're going to help them see visions and dream dreams. We're going to help them be this realized potential in the Holy Spirit. And it goes from birth all the way through to adulthood. We'll be doing this for our youth as well. Asking God, how many of you want to see your kid baptized and going full steam ahead in the power of the Holy Spirit? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And so we take that child that was and we look at the adult that can be, and we're going to connect the two of those, and we're going to see God do the most incredible thing for these children. Will it grow? I don't know. I'm not trying to grow a big church. I think you know that. 
25 years ago, we were amongst the largest churches around, and we had to decide if we were going to build bigger barns or if we weren't. And uh, we decided, I decided, our board then agreed that I'd rather have a church of 100 churches of 100 than to have one church of 10,000. That's a decision we made. We decided to have churches of 100. We have 60 churches of 100 right now, and some are way more than 100. Uh, a few are a little bit less, but that's just a decision we made. We're not trying to grow a big deal here. We're trying to do what God called us to do. I found out in the lives of these boys and girls. And then I found out that there's an unreached people group in Anchorage. Right in Anchorage, an unreached people group. It's children with special needs. And so I, uh, Linda and Randy Moore, some of you know them, they said, you got to come see our church down in Lakewood. I said, all right, I've seen that dude on TV. Not sure I want to go to that church. But uh, they said, no, you need to come check it out. Brothers and sisters, uh, behind the TV program that is so popular, there is a deep, deep church there. But I toured back, and they said, this is called Champions Club. I said, that's cool. What's Champions Club? Oh, it's our special needs ministry. And I, I look, and I'd never seen anything like it in my life. It was incredible. And they said, well, why don't we start one in Anchorage? I'm like, well, I don't have any special needs training. Linda just walked in. I'm telling your story, Linda. I don't know how to run special. They said, we'll help you say, well, just to get the rooms ready, a sensory room and a activity room and all the things necessary just to do the room. They said, in fact, we'll pay for it. I said, what? They said, no, we'll pay for it. I said, no, we have money. We don't need help. We can do it. They said, no, we'd like to invest in the special needs boys and girls in Anchorage, Alaska. Can we do it? Their executive pastor. So you have Joel Osteen here, the executive pastor, Craig Johnson, said, I want to come and launch it the first Sunday of October. And so October 5th, we launch a special needs ministry for boys and girls. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. And I just feel bad I didn't know. I didn't know the kids that their parents get asked not to come back because the kids slobber or they're noisy. I didn't know that what people were actually rejecting from church. I do know that when our special needs kids come to this room and you don't like it, you change churches. I know that. And guess what? I'm good with that. Because there's a lot of churches who want all the special clean fish. We're, we're a church for the guy who, like Jeffrey. I love Jeffrey, who's loud. And my joke about Jeffrey is his volume control doesn't work. So everybody will be singing, how great thou art. And he'll be screaming, how great thou art. It's like, Jeffrey, you know what? If you can't sit next to a guy who screams, don't come here. And that's just my bishop screaming. No, sorry. But anyways, uh, <laughs> you're going to be so impressed. I mean, it is amazing. But here's the deal. It's a one-to-one -one ratio, adults to kids. It's not, two, we need two adults for 30 kids. No, we need two adults for every kid. You say, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have, neither do I. Are we going to do this thing? We're going to do it very well. Because there's enough of you in here that know that there's an adult who will be 
inside every child. When did I decide to do this? When Linda told me about Champions Club? No. Did I do it, decide to do it when I went to Lakewood and saw their Champions Club? No. I decided to do something like this when I went to see my father-in-law about 25 years ago, not my father-in-law, my grandfather-in-law, at an old place called Our Lady of Compassion. And I got lost at Our Lady of Compassion. I should have turned left or right. I don't know what I did, but I got lost. And I stumbled upon something I didn't know existed. It was little babies in cribs made out of metal. And they were crying and they were all alone. I said, what's up with these kids? They said, oh, they're hydrocephalic. They have this problem and that problem. And I thought, well, what can we do for these kids? They're just as much a human as you or me. And I said on that day at Our Lady of Compassion, God, if you allow, someday we'll have a ministry that every boy and girl of every style can be included. To be included. It's like, hey, we got room for you. Did I tell you the story about my Downs syndrome buddy? Uh, at the Alaska Club, right? And uh, we're in the jacuzzi. He goes, I have a girlfriend. I said, really? Yep. I said, that's neat. Miley Cyrus. He made a bust like this and kissed his arm. Miley and me, he says. So inside of you is a child who was. Inside of her is an adult who will be. And I'm asking God to help you bring the child who was into health that you can bring the adult who will be into health too. All in favor, say aye. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus, Jesus me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. The Bible tells me so. One more time. The Bible tells me so. Lord Jesus, today we now come to you thankful for the child that was. Thank you for all the fun stuff in our childhood, God. 
Thank you for the surprises. Thank you for the delights. Thank you for the little deals that all the people would come up and prophesy over me. God's got a great plan for your life. When I was a teen, I thought, would you quit saying that? But man, every time they'd say it, I'd start believing. Maybe God has a plan for my life. Maybe I can do something. Maybe there's something in me that God can call forth. Thank you for all the childhood delights, oh God. Thank you for the magic. Thank you for the madness. Thank you that in that you are at work at bringing us more into your nature, more into your character, more into the compassionate, loving people that you've called us to be. And on this day of announcing two new ministries, I now pray the anointing of the Holy Spirit on King's Castle. I ask God that adults would give one and a half, two hours on Saturday to see children walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, walking in their anointing, walking in their gifts, walking in the Spirit's power and Spirit's life. Lord, rather than curse the darkness, we bless the light of the Spirit in the boys and girls. And then, Lord, we dedicate today champions club uh, uh, months before we launch it we already declare the unreached people group in anchorage known as special needs we now declare one ministry at least raising up a lantern into that domain and declaring you're included you're included you're included you're not out you're not excluded because when the Lord builds the house, we don't labor in vain. When the Lord builds the city, we do not build it or guard it in vain. We don't live in anxious toil because the Lord says your heritage is not your buildings. Your heritage is not your cities. Your heritage are the children that live in those cities that worship in that temple. And so today we bring the child who was into connection with the adult who will be all for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you please go now and receive communion on your own as we close?